Welcome to Between the Lines, a podcast by the Timothy Project. Tune in to an intriguing, mind-stimulating podcast where your mind-boggling questions in the Bible are analyzed. Simply breaking down mysteries in the Bible, precept upon precept in the scriptures until we see Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Greetings, DTP family. This is Between the Lines, the official podcast for the Timothy Project. I am your host, Eugenia Kekeli, and it's time to get into it again with us on our series, Numa. Uh, we're so excited that you're here. And before we go on, I want to introduce you to my lovely guest in the building, starting with Bougie Pastor B. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here. We're looking forward to an enthralling and fulfilling conversation today. I'm uh, glad to, that we have some new voices that you're going to be hearing. We hope that you're going to be impactful and it'll be a blessing to you as well. Hello, everyone. My name is Olivia, and I'm also very excited to be part of this conversation today. And I'm very excited about the topic that we're going to be discussing. And I pray that you are blessed by this conversation. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Esther. And then I think I'm also excited to be here. This is my first time, so hooray. And then I think it's just my prayer that <laughs> this episode would inspire you and then possibly answer a few questions that you might have or questions that you've not even thought of, but then they might just be creeping in. So it's, that's just, yes, thank you. Awesome. So I'm glad everyone is excited. That means we're going to have an exciting conversation. And if you're a bit confused about what the conversation is going to be on, it's still on our series, Numa. We're going to be discussing the third installment in that series, The Spirit and His Fruit. Um, if you haven't, you know, either listened to the podcast or read the blogs on the previous episodes of this series, you can just stop right now. <laughs> just like pause this one and then go back and listen to those those episodes and um, read those previous blog posts because there's a lot of content in there that is good for you. It's edifying for you. If you're confused about where to assess those things, you can uh, check us out on IG. We are the underscore Timothy underscore project. On Twitter, we are at TTP all caps underscore Ghana. And on Facebook, we are the Timothy project. Okay, so... You can, you can reach out to us on all of these social media handles. We're very eager to hear from you. And, you know, we're just, we're, we're just, we're, we did give you, okay? We're, we're ready for you. So just reach out to us. Let's have a conversation and let's grow a bit more. So to introduce us to this uh, new installment in the series, I'm going to read the opening scripture for uh, Numa, his spirits, the spirits and his fruits. Okay, so Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. Amen. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a powerful word. It's a powerful word. Uh, but starting from Esther, new voice on here. You guys show her much love. So starting from Esther, if somebody came up to you, uh, just you know, okay, fine, Esther, you are a serious Christian, or at least you look you look like a serious Christian. I have been hearing about this 
fruit of the spirit what 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 does it mean what what, what is about what would you say okay so i think from the onset the first thing that i would probably point out is the fact that most people make a mistake and then say fruits of the spirit plural but then it's actually fruits of the spirit singular right and then i would go ahead to explain that this is not a mistake because when you see the list that Apostle Paul mentions, I mean, he mentions a whole lot of qualities, right? So you'd expect that he would say fruits of the spirit because there's a lot. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's a lot of qualities that he mentions, right? But then this is not a mistake, right? When the Bible is, when we see the word fruits, the Bible is conveying the idea that these qualities are not isolated, right? They are not to be considered as isolated qualities or they are not to be compartmentalized, right? But then in actual fact, they are meant to be expressed as a unified whole. So whether it's love, whether it's joy, whether it's peace, they are like, they are meant to be found in every believer. And then it sounds like a lot, right? But then I would end by saying that, uh, it's not something that we are meant to do by ourselves. It's not something that we can't do by ourselves or attain by ourselves. So that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And I think as we have this discussion, we'll be able to explore how this is actually possible and then how we can enjoy this fruit of the Spirit. And if we are not experiencing it in our lives, we'll be able to actually give practical examples, practical things that we can do to actually enjoy this. That was a lovely exposition. That was that was so great. I mean, I would have asked Olivia to chip in, but I feel like she would say they have said it all. And now, Olivia, you have a little bit more to add. Oh my God, she has said it all. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, don't be the, don't be like the boys at the back of the class, <laughs> right? But I mean, I, yeah, I think that was such a great way of encapsulating uh, what Bible means when it says the fruits of the spirit. And I want us to just briefly discuss. Um, something that, I mean, I think you touched on it, but it's, it's a phrase, an excerpt from the blog post that I want us to highlight. It says, the fruit serves as the tangible outcome of being led by God's spirit and stands as compelling evidence of a life genuinely surrendered to God, reflecting the character of Christ. Wow. Uh, what is all this plenty English, you know, trying to communicate to us? Yeah, so um, to properly uh, understand what Paul is trying to convey, sometimes it's just better to contextualize the entire conversation. So um, what we can understand is that the book of Galatians is Paul writing to defend the gospel and the completeness and the sufficiency of Christ for salvation against those who are of the view that we must go back to Judaism and back to the law of Moses. So... The argument that most of the Judaizers have against Paul is that Paul is preaching a gospel that is human-centered because he is sort of giving men the license to sin. And Paul's defense is that the gospel is not the license to sin, but in the coming of the gospel, when men receive the Lord Jesus, what they receive is that they receive the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in us. And the fruit, the evidence that the Holy Spirit dwells in us is the fruit of the spirit and i like how um, esther describes them that they are a unified whole not just uh, compartmentalized parts but a unified whole and the fact that you have the spirit 
means that these things must dwell in you. And uh, one of the beautiful things is the way Paul ends the scripture that we started with. He says, against such, there is no law. What Paul is pointing out is that anyone who lives and is led by the Spirit and is bearing the fruit of the Spirit, there is no reason why the law should apply to them because the one who wrote the law dwells in them and is writing the law on their hearts. So the, the mm. ethos of the law now becomes the framework of your being. So the ethos mm. of the law, which is love, long-suffering, patience, kindness, all of those things become the very driving force of your life, right? That's what Paul says in First Timothy, that there are those who want to preach the law, but do not realize that the law was made for the, for the sinful, for the uh, murderers, for the idolaters. But for us who have been saved, who have the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling with us in the person of the Holy Spirit, we have no need for the law, if indeed we are being led by the law, by the Spirit. Sorry. Right. That, that's so great. And it just, I mean, it brings to mind the fact that in the previous um, podcast, we talked about um, the Holy Spirit being the executor of God's will, as in the Holy Spirit as the wind of God. And um, now we have this Spirit in us, you know, helping us execute the will of God in our lives. And so, I mean, like you've just beautifully put it, if, if we have, you know, basically God showing us or teaching us how to do what we ought to do, then we no longer need to have this like uh, set judgment or a measured judgment that we follow. Like, okay, if I do this, then I'm wrong. If I do this, then I'm right. Or I have to do this on this day or at this time. Rather, we're, we're instinctively um, living out this truth. And I think that even as, I mean, of course, yes, that there's this um, perception of because grace is this, people sin more. But I think that if we're truly living according to the Spirit, there would be no room for sin in our lives because our every move would be detected by the Spirit. That's, that's, that's really good. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about this. Uh, I would call it a misconception, but I want to talk about this ideology we have in the church. I mean, we've all spoken about how the fruit is, is mainly, you know, an outshowing of the inworking of the um, Holy Spirit, right? However, there's this conception or there's this ideology in church spaces. I mean, like if you if you want somebody to d- describe somebody who is spirit led, they are hardly going to start mentioning the fruits of the spirit. They are more likely to start pointing out, like, oh, this person he heals the sick, or oh, this person speaks in tongues. And so, I mean, why why is that the case, and how can we sort of bring people out of that ideology? I think it's just the human penchant to be uh, fascinated by the supernatural. Um, most of us, when we think about uh, things like prophecy, where somebody is able to accurately predict future events, tell you the mind of God for yourself, um, uh, where uh, people are able to heal diseases, work all kinds of strange miracles. I mean, there is just that natural um, uh, thing in man to be fascinated by them. And because we know that there is a supernatural power at work that backs people who do these things, right? The Bible says that for the, the manifestations of the spirit are given for the prophet reward. So we know that the Holy Spirit is at work backing uh, the people who work these things. So there is that um, misconception where we, we tend to think that, okay, for somebody to be spiritual, then these are the things that they must do. 
But one of the things that we must um, always remember is that we must learn to deal with God and relate with God on God's terms and not our terms. What has God said is the evidence of the fact that I am in you, in the person of the spirit. And that is love, joy, peace, uh, kindness, faithfulness. So you, you can find somebody who is exhibiting all the fruit of the spirit. Uh, and, and we are seeing that unified whole being expressed in their life. But somebody else may, may not necessarily be uh, living right. But because every now and then he can prophesy. That person, because mm. his is, 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 is more um, flashy in a sense, yeah. uh, is considered more spiritual. But that is not the way the Bible leads us to look at that. And uh, if you remember the warning of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, he says that in that mm. day, many shall say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not um, cast out demons in your name? Did we not work miracles in your name? And he says that day I will say unto them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I did not know you. So what Jesus Christ is saying is that there are people who would have an outward show of what we would call spirituality. But true spirituality is actually a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ will say that mm-hmm. I did not know you. Wow. I think we need that frame. True spirituality is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need, I need that in, on a board somewhere or on <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Olivia, any thoughts you want to share with us? Yeah, so I remember in one um, church meeting, um, the leader mentioned was asking, who do we think is a spiritual person? And who were mentioning, or oh, somebody who prophesies, somebody who speaks in tongues for four hours, somebody who can mention your number without even knowing it. And he was like that. And he was correcting us and telling us that that is not what we call a spiritual person. A spiritual person is somebody who exhibits the fruits of the spirit. And at that point, we were all like shocked because, and then he brought us our, our minds to the fact that if you are not exhibiting the fruit of the spirit, then the Holy Spirit is not in you. So how do you become a spiritual person? Even if you are um, speaking in tongues, um, healing the sick, and all like the other big things that the Holy Spirit does. But the fruit of the spirit is the evidence or the consequence or the effect of um, the Holy Spirit living in you. So once that is lost, you can't necessarily call yourself a spiritual person. Yeah, so I think um, we, we, we tend to lose that um, aspect as Christians most of the times. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. At, uh, when you were speaking, one thing that also came to mind is that usually with um, these things, uh, like the giftings especially, they just come about more often than not from the the holy spirit working temporarily with a person but with the fruit it requires an indwelling like there needs to have been work put in over a period of time for us to really see the fruits of the spirit in your life and and i mean we've all made um, various um comments about you know being led by the spirit or you know being being in fellowship with the spirits and all of that and so I would go to Olivia and then would hear from Esther as well. So Olivia, what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit? Or what does it mean to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit? How does that look like practically? So practically to be led by the Holy Spirit or to be in tune with the Holy Spirit is, um, in my opinion, I think is to incorporate him into every part of your day. You wake up, you speak to the Holy Spirit. You are going to eat, you speak to him, you are... 
um, stressed about something, you speak to him. It's like building a relationship with um, a beloved or a friend. You build that relationship with communication. You build that relationship with um, talking about the things that bother you, the things that excite you. And that is the same way we ought to build a relationship um, with the Holy Spirit, to build intimacy. Because when we just um, relegate the Holy Spirit to healings and uh, miracles, we it's, it doesn't necessarily give us that intimacy we look for because as you go about your day and you incorporate him or you um, add him basically to your, your day, you get to understand what he wants, what he doesn't want, um, and everything about him. Yeah. yeah. So I think Olivia has sort of said quite a lot of what I wanted to say. So I'll just add that. I find that people really rush the concept of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit and then getting to know the Holy Spirit, the sort of just imagine that it's one encounter you have and then you know him, he knows you, and then you move along. And then I think it's very important for us to know that knowing the Holy Spirit, developing a relationship with him practically is not mm, a one-time right. achievement, right? But it's a lifelong journey. So then it requires mm. a lot of patience and understanding that you are growing, right? And so this requires time. So then we may experience setbacks. You may be frustrated at times, because I mean, sometimes we experience where it's like, the Holy Spirit is not with you. It, seem, if, it seems like he's not with you. It's like God is not speaking to you. There's silence, there's droughts, there's a lot of things, right? So we'd experience setbacks, we'd experience seasons where Maybe I would even say that certain aspects of the fruits of the spirit that we are supposed to have by avenue of the Holy Spirit in us, it seems like it's not manifesting, right? But then mm. if practically we keep in mind that as we remain connected to Jesus Christ, as we continually rely on our relationship with him, rely on seeking guidance, rely on the Holy Spirit, I mean, we can experience everything and more right but then it's not a one-time thing so like the what olivia said it's a relationship it requires constant communication feedback i speak mm -hmm. to you speak to me you need something you tell me i need something i tell you you don't shut me out and then just do what you want to do so i think yes mm. that's wonderful well, one what i would like to add to what the ladies have said is that if we are going to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit such that would lead to our transformation is number one, we need to acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in all that we do. Acknowledge that he is God in our lives. Acknowledge that he knows better than we know, that he wants better for us than we, we want for ourselves, right? And secondly, we must not forget the place of the word of God in relating with him. The Bible says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter number um, uh, three from i think from verse 17 he says now the lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty and he says for we with an open face behold us in a mirror whenever we go to the word of god we are going looking in a mirror and this mirror is is one that is very honest and brutal with you i don't know if you've ever read the scripture and the scripture is coming for you it's like hey holy spirit take your time why are you coming after me like this yeah it's like <laughs> and and, and which we must be honest because that is that is where it is in those moments that transformation takes place if we are if we are yielded mm -hmm. because now it shows you 
because most often we think we are better than we actually there are people who think that they are patient when they are not there are people who think mm. they are loving when they are not there are people who <laughs> think they are long suffering when they are not and it is in those moments where he shows you in the mirror sometimes you'll be reading a text and it aligns with something that just happened in your life and you realize that what you were not supposed to do is actually what you did then the holy spirit points it out to you and it is in those moments of yielding total surrender uh, living your life in accordance with him. The Bible says, so well, as we behold, we are transformed even into that same image as by the Spirit. The goal of the Holy Spirit in us is to cause us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And in actual fact, the, if I should stretch the thought, the goal of bearing the fruit of the Spirit is to become more like Christ. Because to bear the fruit of the Spirit is to become like Christ. Right? And that is the ultimate ultimate goal of the spirit. And that is why we must yield to him. So true spirituality, right, is knowing God, knowing Christ, but ultimately it is becoming like Christ. So, I mean, piggybacking off of um, what, I mean, I think Esther mentioned where there's some seasons in our lives where it feels like, okay, we are experiencing some sections of this, of the fruits, uh, but not necessarily the Whole Foods, and I think uh, Buji, Pastor B, you also touched on it. Why? Why is that? Why is that the experience? Because I mean, we've spoken several times about the fact that this is one fruit, right? It's not you know nine different fruits you're going to eat, or I don't know what the number is, but it's not different fruits. It's just one fruit. So why is it that sometimes you know we only seem to experience, or we only seem to be able to bear some parts of their fruits, and even then, because I mean there have been seasons where I felt like yo Charlie, yeah, right now they're the long suffering me yeah, claim up, you know, and then something else happens and I'm like, well, I guess I wasn't ready. <laughs> I guess I really didn't know their fruits. <laughs> I didn't understand the fruits well. Why? Why is that the experience? And um, I'll start with uh, Pastor Bethman, and then. Let me hear from Esther and then Olivia to give me her, her opinion on that. I think the, the reason why we do not see it in totality is because um, we are not always fully yielded, right? There's always a part of us that we, we sort of uh, hold back. And that is why it, um, um, I like what Esther said earlier, that it's a lifelong journey. Because in that lifelong journey, sometimes she just allows you to think you're okay. Then in a certain moment, he, peel, he peels out the layers and shows you that this is actually a place where I need to work on you. This is a place where I need to make you better. This is a place where we need to work on your long suffering. We need to work on your kindness in this area. We need to work on your gentleness in that area. It's, these, are, these are things that come only to the extent to which you are yielded. There are some people that may be yielded mm -hmm. when it comes to loving others, but they are uh, not... Uh, exactly yielded when it comes to uh, suffering long and, and being being patient to people on the long haul. So these are some of the things that it takes time, and especially because as human as we are, we are we are composite in our nature and we are multifaceted as well. And sometimes there are even layers to yourself that you are not aware of, right? And as you trust and you depend on him, he pulls out those layers and helps you. Uh, with time. So that's, that's one of the reasons why we find that sometimes we are strong in this area and we are weak in that other area. But when we yield our whole self, and that takes a while, uh, even 
even uh, as a pastor, sometimes I come to realize that uh, the Holy Spirit points to me that sometimes uh, you think you are yielded in this area, but you are not totally yielded. Sometimes the 50% yielded, yielding and he's, he's patient and gentle enough with you to, to help you with that 50% that you have made available to him, but he wants everything as well. Right. So I think um, that's, that's a great take from Pastor Bethman. But then I'll just add a little something. So then I also think that, I mean, even though initially we mentioned that, yes, the fruit of the Spirit is described as a singular fruit, right? So it comes as one and it's, it's deposited in the believer as one, right? So we are more or less expected to um, show them, use them. It's, we are expected to have those fruits and um, those attributes be seen in us at once. But then I believe that sometimes we go through different seasons in our lives and then there are certain aspects, there are certain aspects of the fruit of the spirit that may be more pronounced than the others, right? And then um, this, this can, sometimes we, it can be influenced by various factors, like our different personalities. If I am not someone who is very lovely, right? And then... I am going through a lot and then it is long suffering that is very, very, very needed in my life. It is probably only long suffering that you would see. Even though, yes, I have the Holy Spirit day by day. I am growing. I am growing. I'm learning everything. I'm learning to take him as a whole and then allow him to work on me, allow him to develop me. Right. But then sometimes I believe that we go through seasons where some are more pronounced than the, than others. So we don't get to experience the entire fruit in its totality. Imagine a scenario where you have to experience joy. You have to experience long suffering. You have to experience gentleness. You have to experience self-control. You have to experience patience. You have to experience kindness all at once. I don't believe such a situation would be very ideal. Right. So the thing is that you have all these qualities as a fruit is it's in, it's in you as residents and you, the Holy Spirit's by avenue of your relationship with him, by avenue of his presence with you and his working in you is causing these things to develop. Right. So in seasons where you need long suffering, you would see long suffering in seasons where you need to be patient. You would find that there's patience that is residents in you and you do not even know where it is from right it's not easy there's times where you have to sort of allow the holy spirit to give you a literal pep talk on the fact that you need to be patient right that's that's what i would say hmm. right i mean that's an interesting take and i just i just want to ask right um we we outside of the the spirits we we do see some to some extent human expressions of of these of this fruit like we do we do see some expression of love we do see some expression of patience um in people that i mean unbelievers even we do see some level of kindness we do see some level of gentleness so what is the difference for the christian in saying that oh i have love as a fruit of the spirit and not just pay my human expression. Um, Esther, if you can throw some light on that, and then Olivia too. So I think with that, 
what what is happening right now is that we sort of created a disconnect between the fruits of the spirit and then our identity in Christ, right? Now, I believe that the fruit of the spirit is more or less an outworking of our identity as followers of Christ. So then we are abiding in Jesus Christ and we are allowing his spirit to to work in us. So then we reflect his nature and character. Now, this is not the same as someone who needs to be patient so that maybe his father would give him money, right? With that, it it would seem like the person is displaying patience. The person is displaying kindness. But then the heart that the person is even using to display the kindness, the mind the person is using to display the kindness, the patience, is not all 100%. I mean, inwardly, the person might be frustrated. The person might be very impatient. The person might be not kind. But then the person has to. So I think that's the difference between the for lack of better with the worldly attributes and then the ones that we get by avenue of the fruits of the spirit right so then it is through our relationship with christ that we actually have this fruit like this fruit is cultivated and then as we grow in our understanding of who we are in him the fruits becomes increasingly evident in our lives so it will not be something that we are we are forced to display it's not something that we are forced to show for others to see that oh christian you're a christian you're a believer you're supposed to be like christ you're supposed to be patient while you are dying inside i mean if you if you had your way you'd beat someone if you had your way you'd hell insults on anything right <laughs> and then by avenue of the spirit in us you find that it is not so difficult right and then when you are patient you are patient not for nothing you are patient because maybe you you have this um you are, I don't know what word to use. You are, I wouldn't say content, right? Or you are satisfied. Gra- grounded. You are grounded. Yes, you are grounded. You believe, you know why you are patient. You know who you are looking to, right? You know that God has a plan for you. You know why you have love for someone who looks like the person doesn't even deserve love. You know why you have joy when ev- you are expected to be crying, you're expected to be frustrated. Mm-hmm right so i think the difference is the fact that ours is not um forced it's not something that we display because we need something it's something that is cultivated and it's something that has been deposited in us and it just flows right so when we need joy when we need love when we need patience i mean that's why the holy spirit is described as our helper he helps us right so for you, say it's like the motivation behind the action that um, brings the differentiation. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Olivia, anything you want to add? Um, so I think um, Esther has spoken quite a lot about it, but I would like to um, I like us to look at it from um, so the so the difference between the Christian and the worldly person. So in psychology, there's a a theory called the theory of social exchange, whereby people do things because they believe they will get a reward. And most of the time, it's not conscious. It's very innate. So I can bend over backwards um, for somebody, but and I'm, and in, and in my, my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I'm just doing it because I'm a, I'm a good person. But innately, we know or we are waiting for some sort of reward not specifically from the person, 
but from somebody else who, who will do it for us. So, but with um, but with Christians, we we don't necessarily have that uh, motivation. So back to the motivation, we are doing it because of um, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He is the one that causes us to bend over backwards for people to be patient, to love people despite, to love people unconditionally. And so I think it, it boils back down to the, 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 the motivations with um, unbelievers or the, the worldly people, even though they, they, they can think that they are not um, doing it because they think they are good people, they have this innate um, belief that there's a reward coming from somebody else. But with Christians, it's not that way. So I think we also look at it from that particular aspect too. And I think for me too, it's just um, the fact that we see that with the human expression, there's often a limit. You know, there's often um, some like an extent to which it makes sense to express that limit or, you know, there's an extent to which it makes sense to love a person. Like um, I think as such done it's like as the person deserves you know, with, with um, kindness, there's an extent to which you can be kind or which kind of people you can be kind to, uh, to play on the word. Uh, there's an extent to which we, we, should, we should suffer long under a certain circumstance or there's, 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 there's usually like a, a limit or a cap or a measurement to which we can do that. But um, within the spirit or within the fruit of the spirit, it's, it's often boundless. The, the love that uh, we are motivated to ex- express in the spirit is often boundless. The um, the joy that we 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 have from the fruit of the spirit, it, it usually does not have a cap. It's not limited by circumstance or by the person that we're dealing with. In fact, a lot of times it's in spite of the circumstance, in spite of the person we're dealing with, in spite of whatever it is that we're, we're facing. Right. And on this note, we would go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll be looking more specifically at uh, three aspects of the fruit, love, joy and peace. Stay tuned. We're back again from our lovely break. This is still Between the Lines, the official podcast for the Timothy Project. I am your host, Eugenia K. Kelly, and we're having such an um, exciting and revealing conversation, really, about the fruit of the spirits. Now, we've been discussing, you know, what the fruit is. What, what does it mean to bear the fruit? How does it look like to bear the fruit? But now we need to, to look more at the fruit itself. And so um, I think Olivia will start us off. We would be looking at the first section of the fruits as is mentioned in the scripture. Um, love, Olivia, what does it mean to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit with regards to love? Okay, so quoting from the blog post, it says, um, since Thomas Aquinas defines love as a choice to will the good of the other. And basically, this is the kind of love 
that God gave to us. So he sent his son down to die for us because we were sinners. And if we die, we'll go to hell. So the, 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 the kind of love that looks out for the betterment of the other person, just like how um, a husband loves his wife. Well, in the correct way, because now people are not loving the right way. But when a husband loves his wife, he looks out for her improvement, for her betterment. He looks to make sure that she becomes a better version of herself. And that's the kind of love that the spirit helps us to display or helps us to show. And that when we are displaying this kind of love, it's not selfish, it's not conditional, and it's not, as I said, self or self-seeking. We are we are trying to make sure that the other person is as comfortable or is as good as possible. So basically this, this is what um, encompasses the, the, the love that the spirit displays or brings out in the life of a Christian. All right. So I think joy now, um, joy as a fruit of the spirit. Whenever I think of joy, I think of the new song that we sing a lot in church right now, but I've still got joy in chaos. I mean, that song should not make sense because why would I still have joy in chaos when my life looks like it's, it's when my life is literally in chaos, nothing is working, nothing is, I mean, I wouldn't, I shouldn't have joy, right? I should be sad. I should be downtrodden. I should be very angry even, right? But there's, that's where we get to understand joy and why it's so different from the other kind of joy but joy as a fruit of the spirit is not dependent on um, external circumstances or is not happiness that is fleeting it's not happiness that comes and goes right it's it's a deep sense of contentment and then delight that would spring from our relationship with god so if we say someone is a joy is joyful joyful person a joyful person is not practically a joyful person is not necessarily someone who is always happy in the moment and you will not find that because i have the fruit of the spirit and i have joy i'm always happy in the moment then you have cause to say that oh i don't have the holy spirit right but then having joy it means that i have an enduring sense of gladness that surpasses temporary emotions so if in the moment i feel very annoyed or i feel very sad there's still joy that is inside me that I will not even be able to show. I might not even be able to explain, right? Now, so we that we have joy, we, we experience, we rejoice always. So we get the word rejoice. We rejoice always. We find hope and strength, even in the face of trials and then challenges, right? So even when we read in, I think, Philippians 4 verse 4, that we should rejoice always. I mean, realistically, is that possible, right? Imagine when we are facing trials, we are facing temptations, we have our lives, uh, our life is just destroyed, for lack of a better word, right? But I think that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Joy, joy, as having joy as a fruit of the Spirit is not something that we are supposed to just have. It's something that he gives us, it's something that he works within us. So I think that's, that's something short I can say on joy. So peace, um, the Greek word that Paul uses here is the word Irene. It's actually from this word that we get the name Irene or Irenaeus for the guys. And um, peace, I, I think 
the world's definition of peace is um, the absence of strife. But when Jesus Christ was leaving the disciples and um, in extension us, he says, my peace, I leave with you. Not the peace of this world, right? But my peace. And um, usually when we have peace in this world, is there is nothing contrary that is happening in our lives. Nothing that causes us to worry. Nothing. Some everything keeps us in a base state. Uh, similar to what um, Esther said when she was talking about joy, the peace we have is rooted and grounded primarily in our relationship with God. Bible says in uh, Romans chapter number five, verse one, it says, "Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God." And one of the things that God does is that the peace that we have with him is transferred through all the other areas of our lives. And we see Jesus model this peace in the sense that when Jesus was in a boat one day with the disciples and, and there, was, um, uh, um, there was a storm that was boisterous and, and you could see that every other person in the, in the boat was scared, was troubled. Their peace had been taken away from them because of their external circumstances. But Christ kept his his, uh, his peace. He was asleep in the boat. And they, they asked him, do you not care that we perish? Christ's confidence in the midst of the storm was that he knew in the moment that he was always connected to the Father. So he would speak to the storms and the Father would honor his word. And Christ also Christ's rebuke to the disciples was that could they not uh, have peace because they were connected with him in the boat at the time. And that is where our peace as believers come from. It comes from a deep sense of knowing that we are connected to God. So in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, in the midst of our, our difficult moments, things that would steal the peace of people, things that would make people restless, we can remain still because we know that we are connected to God. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us this strong sense of commitment. And that's when the peace springs out home. So um, uh, like somebody who is joyful in, in um, uh, um, uh, uh, situations where they, they should be uh, depressed and downcast, the believer having peace in moments where his peace should be stolen is also sometimes a paradox. But that is, that is the beauty of, of the fact that it is Christ who works this in us. Like how the, 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 the early uh, apostles will be, will be taken before the Sahindran Council and they are beat and they are not looking to run away. They are not disturbed. They, they peacefully go back to their camp and they thank God, they rejoice and they pray to God and God answers them and even pours on them the Holy Spirit again. So when we talk about peace, that's what we're talking about. A certain, certain level of, of calm and baseness, right? Where you, are, you don't fret, you, are, you live a base life. And that level of baseness, it's not because um, everything is happening well around you, but even in the midst of the storm, the Holy Spirit always reminds you and brings to your understanding that you are connected with God. Because you are in Christ, you have peace with God. And the peace that you have with God permeates every aspect of your life. Amen. Um, so, I mean, this, this, these are all lovely submissions. These are all wonderful, you know, expositions on these different um, segments of the fruits. And I mean, my, my contribution is just to anyone listening as a growing Christian, right? 
um, who might feel as though, I mean, this is something for other Christians, or this is something that other Christians experience, and it's not available to me, or, I mean, it sounds like a myth. It sounds, you know, weird. How can you say that, you know, when tragedy besets me, I'll still be at peace, or I can still have joy, or that I can still show love to somebody who has, you know, is not deserving of love from me um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So my encouragement to you is this, like, just keep your eyes on God. Just keep your eyes on God. Because so long as you have accepted Christ, um, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You, you're, 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 The Holy Spirit is there as a seal over your life, right? And so what I truly believe is that so long as you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to the fruits. The only reason for which we are not able to bear the fruits is because, um, I think Esther touched on it, it's a lifelong journey of having access to the Spirit. And it's 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 something that requires constancy, it's something that requires intimacy, it's something that requires... Um, consistency and dedication. So the more you you keep your eyes on God, the more you reach forward into um, celebrating your relationship with God and and deepening your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The more you read His Word, the more you pray, the more you um, actively try and get to know God more. The easier it will become to bear the fruit. In fact, you begin to do it subconsciously you begin you begin to do it without need for you know a lot of um, promptings right Uh it becomes your way of life and that becomes how you imitate christ christ and so i mean don't be discouraged at all if you feel like you are not experiencing it now just simply keep your eyes on him simply keep your gaze on jesus and simply keep working at grooming and growing your relationship with him and 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 also in grooming your relationship with him is not just about talking to God. It's about listening as well. Communication is a two-way street. Even as we are striving to, to communicate with him in every way, we must understand that he's also speaking back to us and we need to listen to him. Amen. Uh, I, I thank you all for listening so far and big shout outs to all my guests on this episode it's been lovely and you you should expect more from us um in our upcoming i mean we'll be talking more in depth about the other um fruits as well uh, the other aspects of the fruits as well in the next episode uh if anyone has anything they would want to say before we sign off feel free i think finally i'd just like to add that the fruits of the spirit that we are speaking about right it really has, as believers, it really has a powerful impact on our witness to the world, right? So when others see love, when others see joy, when others see peace, and then the other qualities that we'll speak about in our next podcast, they see it's genuinely displayed in our lives. They are drawn to the source of those qualities. That is God himself, right? So now the fruit literally becomes a testimony of God's power, his power to transform and then his presence in our lives. So then I, I just want to use this to encourage everyone to avail themselves to the Holy Spirit. Just allow him to work in and through you. And then at the end of the day, you will be transformed. You will be glorified. Win-win. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is it from us at Between the Lines. Until next time, stay blessed.
Thank you for tuning in to Between the Lines by The Timothy Project. The Timothy Project is a crowdfunded discipleship ministry that seeks to train and disciple young believers, presenting them perfect to Christ. What we do here is made possible by your generous gifts and donations. If you've been blessed and seek to support us, you can find our giving options in the description below. Keep tabs on our website for exciting blog posts. You can also interact with us on our social media handles in the description below. The Timothy Project, presenting every man perfect.